Hi, this is Avni Majid Sagebal, and you're listening to the New Thinking Podcast. I'm at the Dallas City Hall with Wesley Shackleford, Deputy Director of the Texas Indigent Defense Commission in Austin. We're both here at Reinvesting in Justice, a conference that brings together a wide range of criminal justice practitioners to discuss challenges and highlight innovative work being done in the field of criminal justice today. Wesley is speaking on a panel about procedural justice a little bit later today, specifically as procedural justice intersects with thinking about racial disparity within the justice system. Wesley, welcome to the New Thinking Podcast. Thanks, Avni. Today's big topic is reinvesting in justice. How do you interpret that? Coming out from the indigent defense world, we're looking to find new innovative ways to provide required indigent defense services Uh, and working with partners in county government who are interested in trying new approaches. For the benefit of our listeners, can you summarize what your panel is going to be about and also what you specifically will be talking about? Sure. It's a diverse panel. The chief of police for Dallas, and he's going to be talking, I think, about community relations with the police department, especially with communities of color in Dallas. We also have panelists from my parent organization, the Office of Court Administration, also based in Austin, and he's going to be talking about procedural justice in the court system directly, and then I'll be addressing indigent defense systems and uh, innovative programs that that my agency has been involved in in creating. Can you tell us a little bit about that? My organization uh, provides uh, grant funding to counties to help support the provision of legal services to poor people charged with crimes. Uh, And I'm going to be talking in particular about our discretionary grant programs where we're partnering with uh, counties who are interested in advancing uh, their own systems uh, through partnerships. Uh, and really moving in new directions from what I'll call the legacy system of court-appointed council systems, which is still the the by far predominant uh, form of uh, provision of indigent defense services in Texas. So some of the programs that we've been uh, working on are uh, managed, what we call managed assigned council programs, and this is uh, in communities where the courts, who by statute are the ones in charge in Texas of uh, determining who is going to be appointed uh, to represent uh, indigent defendants, uh, they make the assignments to, on individual cases to specific attorneys. Uh, they've, in some places, have decided that that's not something they want to do, and that's uh, we've been supporting them in uh, in developing this new uh, system. It really started back uh, in 2009 in Lubbock County. Uh, they. The judges there uh, took the initiative to uh, essentially spin off the management of the uh, appointment lists and the assignment of counsel uh, to a nonprofit bar-led organization. They started it with a subset of cases, mental health uh, defendants, uh, uh, and with some caseworkers to support the attorneys in that work. After a couple of years and learning the new system and and what the issues were, they expanded it to the entire criminal court system. So at this point in Lubbock, all of the appointments are managed by uh, this uh, bar-led organization. The courts have nothing to do with the selection of counsel. The the bar panel with the chief defender reviews all uh, requests for support services, uh, like investigators, expert witnesses. They also review and approve all the fee vouchers, which is another of the powers that is given to the judges in the state. That was uh, such a success that uh, Travis County in Austin has also now launched the same system and the entire, uh, as of this year, 
uh, criminal court appointment system is managed by a nonprofit bar association with a chief defender, two deputy defenders, an investigator, and so forth. Uh, so this has been a, a big sea change, and we see it as an opportunity for uh, counties around the state who may not be ready to, uh, to take over the entire system through the creation of, say, a public defender's office where you have staff attorneys managing uh, the, the uh, provision of counsel. Uh, these are still private attorneys, but it, uh, it provides a lot of uh, independence from the, the courts, uh, and it also provides an opportunity for more direct uh, oversight and quality control, which are things that judges aren't really in a position to do, uh, but chief defenders who manage the system are. They help staff cases if need be, uh, they provide mentoring services, uh, and then they annually review performance and uh, you know, provide pointers and training opportunities uh, for all of the, the private assigned counsel attorneys in the jurisdiction. That's really interesting. And you talked about the success of the reform initiatives in Lubbock County. Can you elaborate on that? What kinds of results are you really seeing? Well, I think it is the same attorneys, uh, but I would say the quality is better. They've created mentoring programs, both in Lubbock and now in Travis County, which I think has the effect of enhancing the quality of representation, bringing up the new generation. I think Lubbock, one of the challenges they faced was an aging criminal defense attorney population retiring, and there wasn't really a process without a public defender's office to mentor and train young attorneys who wanted to go into the defense world. The, the old model of starting in a prosecutor's office it wasn't really attractive to a lot of young attorneys, and so they've been able to establish a full-scale mentoring program under the auspices of the Managed Assigned Counsel Program. And I I think that's probably one of the biggest enhancements. Why is procedural justice important, according to you, and how can it really speak to addressing issues that minorities face within the criminal justice system? Well, I mean, for the criminal justice system to have credibility in the community or, or you know, at large, there has to be justice perceived. Uh, so it's both the appearance and the actuality of fairness in the in the proceedings. And really, that's what the, the initiatives that we've been undertaking are trying to enhance. The court-appointed counsel system can at least lead to the appearance that the defendant's attorney may not have their interests aligned with the defendant. I mean, you speak to defense attorneys and they, they all talk about the difficulties in, in establishing a good relationship with their client when they may feel like the attorney was foisted on them and works for the judge or even the prosecutor when in fact prosecutor doesn't have anything to do with it, but there's still that uh, perception and the, and the, the, the procedure, if you will, of having the court assign it uh, can lead to that, uh, and that undermines really the whole uh, justice system and uh, really is at the root of the second uh, initiative that I wanted to speak about, mm -hmm. um, and that's uh, a client choice initiative that's uh, underway in Comal County, which is uh, New Braunfels. It's a, a small to mid-sized community between San Antonio and Austin. And they are, uh, for the first time in the United States, uh, have implemented a system whereby the uh, clients, the defendants who have uh, been charged with a crime, get to select the attorney who will represent them. Uh, this is a system that's in place in uh, common law countries across the world, England, Scotland, Australia, has been for many, many years, but it's never really been tried here. And uh, we got the idea from a, a Cato Institute report, Free Market Principles, uh, from 2010, 
Uh, and uh, Norman Lestine, who's a, one of the thought leaders in indigent defense nationally from the Indiana University School of Law, uh, has partnered with us to uh, create the program. There was a, a very large uh, stakeholder committee uh, with the National Oversight Board to develop the, the model. Uh, and it began operation just at the beginning of this year. Uh, and uh, there's going to be a full evaluation, of course. But the, the, the main concept behind it uh, is that the interests of the clients are going to be aligned with uh, their uh, defense attorney, or rather the defense attorney's interests are aligned with the client because the only way they're going to get uh, appointments in the system is if a client chooses to uh, have them uh, represent them. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it piggybacks on the, the court-appointed system. These are attorneys who've already been qualified and screened by the judges, which is the system we have, uh, as being qualified, have the requisite training and experience to provide representation. But from that pool, that relatively large list, basically all the criminal defense attorneys in the community, uh, the, the uh, clients can choose. And we found so far that about three quarters of them do elect to choose their own attorney. If they, if they don't, maybe they don't have any uh, knowledge uh, they will be assigned an attorney off the wheel as they always uh, have been. Uh, and it, you know, it turns out that attorneys do have reputations in the community and, and uh, defendants can get information uh, to make an informed decision. Uh, and it's really no different than uh, anyone else who uh, needs to uh, pr pr uh, buy a service, be it hiring a plumber or an accountant uh, or, or anything else. Uh, you gather the information and you make a choice about who you think is going to provide you the best service. Uh, and the attorneys, at least initially, have already reported that it's much easier to establish a trusting relationship with their client because they feel vested uh, in the choice. This was the attorney they, in fact, uh, chose to represent them. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the results are. Does it improve the quality? What are the perceptions of the uh, clients in the community? What, what do the uh, defense attorneys uh, report? So there's a, a robust evaluation by the Justice Management Institute that's going to uh, take a look at this and we'll have a full report uh, in 2016. What are some of the challenges facing indigent defense today, particularly as it intersects with procedural justice and issues of disparity? The overarching issue and it may always be issue is uh, inadequate resources you know in public defender programs uh, and in signed counsel systems if there isn't enough funding to provide meaningful representation uh, then it's very hard to have procedural justice you, you can have a system of attorneys who are there in in name only who stand up with the defendant while they plead guilty to the crime they've been charged with and accept the offer that the prosecutor makes. I mean, we do have a system that's based largely on uh, guilty pleas, but the challenge is when the defense attorneys don't have adequate time and resources to properly investigate the cases that can undermine the belief that the system is fair. If you're in the defense community, if your attorney doesn't have time to actually track down the witnesses that may be able to attest to your defense, then you're not going to have any trust in the system. So I think that's probably the overarching consideration. Thanks for talking to me today. Thanks for having me. I'm Avni Majitia Sejbal, and I've been talking to Wesley Shackelford at Reinvesting in Justice. To listen to more New Thinking podcasts or to learn more about our work, you can visit our website at www.courtinnovation.org. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.